It's a way we communicate with healthcare professionals personally. We just do it virtually. It, we go through technology then, rather than the front door of an office. That was Michael Carlin, General Manager of Engage HCP by TrialCard, and today's guest on TrialCard Talk, a monthly podcast series of news and information on the biopharmaceutical and life science industry and the role that TrialCard plays in it. Here's your host, Landy Townsend. Welcome back to Trial Card Talk, the official monthly podcast series brought to you by the good folks at Trial Card Incorporated. Trial Card is a full-service life sciences commercialization company that provides comprehensive solutions that span the entire biopharmaceutical value chain. In addition to a foundation of fully integrated, digitally enabled patient support services, its broader offerings include everything from late-stage clinical trial supply management to post-marketing HCP engagement services and proprietary data-as-a-service payer intelligence and insights. Founded in 2000, TrialCard provides commercialization support for more than 400 life science customers and has connected over 36 million patients with more than $22 billion in branded drug savings to date. The company is headquartered in Morrisville, North Carolina. For more information about TrialCard, please visit us at trialcard.com. My name is Landy Townsend. I'm the VP of Marketing and Communications here at TrialCard. And today I'm joined, as usual, by Eric Manning, who is TrialCard's Associate Creative Director. Eric, how are you today? I'm good. You know, your intro uh, for the podcast makes us sound unbelievably important. We, re- we really are. I know. We, we really we're, are. We're far more important um, and newsworthy than celebrities who behave badly at the Oscars. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Oscars. So, uh, obviously, uh, a couple of nights ago, the uh, slap heard around the world between Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock. Eric, what's your what's your take on what happened? I, I'm I'm cl- dangerously close to n- not giving a crap. But that being said, I know the kids out there tend to look up to the celebrities and emulate their their favorite uh, you know celebrity athletes or actors or musicians or what have you uh don't don't do that i believe it was the great charles barkley that uh did say at one point i am not a role model so don't didn't he <laughs> yes he I? did okay. you're, you're exactly yeah, right yeah he, he said it a little different but um yeah so i don't know why first of all i'm not sure why this is um occupied so much bandwidth of the news lately when there's so many other newsworthy topics and materials out there to talk about. But yeah, it's it, first of all, and I've said this, uh, I don't know that anybody ever took a swing at um, Don Rickles. If you don't know who Don Rickles is, just look up some of his celebrity roasts. Mr. Some, Warmth. Yeah. I mean, he insulted everybody, but I, I guess it, it was a different time back then. I, I Bottom line, if you're in the uh, entertainment biz, you're, you're, you probably need to have thicker skin, I guess. Now, who am I to say that? Yeah. Well, it sure is generating a lot of uh, discussion uh, this week. We also are, are winding down the uh, college basketball season. The Final Four begins uh, later this week in New Orleans. We have, uh, and as we mentioned, we are a Raleigh area based company. So, 
There's a lot of talk in uh, uh, down here on Tobacco Road. Basketball is religion. Uh, basketball is religion. And we have, for the first time, Duke and North Carolina facing off in the NCAA tournament. They've played hundreds of times, but for the first time they're playing each other mm-hmm. in the tournament, and it just so happens to be the first round of the Final Four. And so, it'll be Coach K's last. And it'll be, it could be Coach K's last game. So uh, in the other semifinal, there's Villanova and Kansas. But, Eric, who do you like this weekend? I, I got to go with Carolina. That's actually my mother's alma mater. So Okay. And, and I'm not. I don't know. I'm not really a Duke fan anyway, so yeah, I'm sort of for whoever's whoever's playing Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Many of our colleagues will, will disagree with you, but I know. that's what I makes know. Uh, that's what makes sports so fun. So, uh, and games are not played on paper, so it'll be uh, as a Kentucky fan whose team uh, yeah lost I, in the first I, round. I'll I'll be I, watching I and, and wishing that we were playing, but. Uh, um, it should be a good weekend of basketball. So anyway, uh, our guest today, I'm kind of pretty psyched about uh, our guest today. Uh, it is our colleague, Michael Carlin. Former boss. Former boss and, and colleague, Michael Carlin. And, and Michael, uh, as you'll hear from him in just a moment, uh, is leading up our Engage HCP by Trial Card offering, which is... Uh, a legacy it's, it's it's a product that we've a part of that is a product that we've had for some time but it was recently rebranded and uh, different services were added to it so uh without further ado let's let's talk to michael so with us today is michael carlin who is the gm of engage hcp by trial card so michael tell us a little bit about yourself well, Andy, first off, thanks for having me. I've been Absolutely. wanting to be part of the uh, trial card talk for quite some time, and I'm uh, very excited to be here. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, my assignment is being the general manager of, of this vertical of trial card. We have four verticals, and this is engaging healthcare professionals, communicating with healthcare professionals uh, through virtual means, uh, as opposed to face-to-face front door. Still personal, but not but virtual. Uh, we started this back in 2015, and it's been very successful. We built the infrastructure and the systems to be able to execute and measure. And uh, certainly with COVID, it uh, took on a life of its own uh, as as more and more access or access got more and more challenging. Let's put it that way. But it's uh, it's a continued uh, area of focus and expanding in multiple different areas. A full array of of services for challenges are. Our pharma manufacturers and, and life sciences manufacturers uh, have, you know, whether it's nurse educators or whether it's field reimbursement managers or sales representatives, um, you know, telepromotion uh, efforts, fulfillment efforts. Uh, it's a way, it's a channel that is used to complement what's going on in the field-based teams. Yeah, and as you mentioned, this is a uh, uh, we we recently relaunched this and rebranded this in August of last year. Um, our, it really complements our original position in uh, virtual detailing, which began several years ago when you came to Trial Card. I think around 2015. That's right. That's right. Um, so, Michael, what's the what's the response been from the market since we launched this back in uh, in, in late August last year? I know you guys have been extremely busy, but um, do people, you know, realize now that there is a need for this much more than there was before? Yeah, Lanny, it gets to 
uh, we've all known uh, access to healthcare providers has been diminishing from 2008. I think it started going down and, you know, pre-COVID, uh, an Accenture study said it was, you know, 65%. Uh, you had 65% access, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. Post-COVID, you only have 35%. And so yeah, the access is driving the, the change or the demand for new channels to engage our healthcare providers. Uh, and, and that's why this continues to grow and expand. I'll say most organizations, if not talking about it or executing against this, are doing something in the virtual space to complement their field-based team, as they should be. They should be. It's an evolving marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. So as you, as you might imagine, we're going to talk about all things Engage HCP today on uh, Trial Card Talk. Um, Michael, back to the kind of the status of where we are with, with physician engagement um, post-COVID. Like you mentioned, a lot of things have changed. But how would you, how would you kind of classify the overall status of access in, in this post-COVID marketplace? Yeah, I just mentioned it's, it's been going down for years. Uh, that study I highlighted from Accenture said, you know, 35% after pandemic will have access. 65% of the engagements are going on virtual meetings uh, as the pandemic came is coming to an end. Uh, it's interesting uh, in that same study that only 10% of healthcare providers want to go back to the way it was pre-COVID. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, 39% of healthcare providers uh, want all meetings to be virtual. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself says we have to change in the way we approach engaging our healthcare provi- providers. Um, we look at uh, 87% of those healthcare providers wanted some sort of combination, you know, field-based as well as virtual-based. So, I mean, the numbers are pretty staggering for us to be. Able- the, the, the fact of the matter is, Landy, though, healthcare providers still want the information. I mean, they want and need new information about products to help make great decisions prescribing for appropriate patients. Um, or maybe knowledge about new and developing therapeutic areas or disease states that are evolving, rare diseases. There's just so much information. This is a channel to be able to help complement what's going on with the field-based teams. Yeah, and I think the important part of what you said is that HCPs have responded favorably to this, that they're on board with this. We are communicating less, right or wrong, less face-to-face than we probably ever have before. When you and I were reps, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, the game has changed, but we have to meet our customer where they where they would like to be and, and, and give them information uh, in a form that, that they prefer. Uh, I mean, that's just it. I mean, this starts with the telephone on outbound engagements, but, you know, everyone's comfortable with Zoom and WebEx now, right? right. So that's just kind of a standard. Uh, before COVID, we weren't. Um, we also conduct a significant number of in-services, you know, lunch and learns, if you will, that are sunshine compliant in a way to track who's attending and report. Um, but that's been a very uh, great way to share educational exchange. Um, so and, you all have and, a- and we find that the engagements are deeper when someone's not necessarily in the room. I mean, there's right. less small talk about, you know, what you do this weekend? Where'd you go? And then, you know, get up and leave. There's more of a deeper, honest dialogue that takes place uh, is what we, we track and learn. Let's talk about that a little bit. So you all have a national, a national caterer, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you all can provide, um, you know, food and, and it's all Sunshine Act compliant, everything. Um, you have a, 
a trained virtual sales representative on the other on the other line that's going to conduct the in-service which and we'll talk about that in a moment the the skill set for the virtual rep as opposed to the skill set of a physical field rep is very different uh, and and rightfully so but the, i think i think you know as we as we're talking today and and as people are listening to this we want people to know that the virtual option the virtual route makes a lot of sense um, either and and we're going to talk about this too, as a standalone venture or a complement to a field team's uh, to, to a pharmaceutical company's field team uh, presence, right? Um, so I, I, I say that because I think people probably get the wrong idea about the the level of professionalism and the level of experience that we bring to the table with with this program. Um, so Michael, you know that goes into the next question I was going to ask you. So um, should that virtual engagement um, component be a part of a company's, you know, commercial promotion model? Yeah. I mean, for all the reasons we just discussed, it has to, it really has to be. And, and I will say in the clients we work with and all the discussions we have, most are considering that. Uh, but if not at this point in time, really need to, I mean, just the fact that 40% of, of uh, surveyed, Healthcare providers say they only want things virtual. That's for, you're basically lopping off forty percent of your engaged engaged healthcare providers. So uh, it really has to be. It really has to be. Yeah, and, and I think you you mentioned it before. You know, the these uh, interactions are much more straight to the point, uh, professional. You, you you there's still a, probably a little bit of small talk because there is with any interaction. Sure. But the the what you do this weekend and the sharing of baby pictures and and all that stuff is you know physicians are seeing more and more patients their time is is even more valuable than it was you know 20 years ago when you and I were doing this but um you know it's it's uh it's it's time it's a it's a process whose time has come and it, like you said it's been very well received by the HCPs that we've talked to um we we alluded to this a, a moment ago but um the difference between a field rep and a virtual rep two really different skill sets talk about that for a little bit mike yeah I'm, we've had a number of, of clients that have come back to us and say hey you know covid hit i took my field team we made them virtual and we you know tried to do work that way and and in our um development and learning here we we've learned that not all field, great field reps make great virtual reps it's a different skill set it it really is a the, the empathy that has to be able to communicate through a telephone or a, a video is is different than it's than what can happen face to face. The ability, just from a, a management standpoint, lady, there's a there's a lot of field based representatives that like that freedom and didn't have a man a manager that was necessarily close to them day in day out. Whereas in a virtual world, everything's recorded. You're you're on the clock, basically making making calls to start or or zooms or webexes, and those are recorded in such a way that your manager can have a discussion about it later. It's a very different management uh, style. Many representatives thrive in that area; they thrive with that sort of management style, and many struggle with it. I had a case where someone who I actually trained me a long time ago, who was an outstanding field based rep recruited to come in and try some virtual and 
at the very beginning, you knew it just wasn't going to work. It just didn't come across over the phone or the video the way that we, that, that healthcare providers need face to face president's club winner, but just a different set of skill sets. Um, yeah. And it's also, you know, I also say that the other area of difference is the technological mm-hmm. uh, skills that are required, you know, from a, you know, working with Salesforce or whatever CRM we're working within, using uh, telephone systems that are that are complicated and very technical telephone systems, as well as um, using PowerPoint and WebEx and those sorts of things and making that all so seamless. Everyone's skills have gotten better since COVID in, right. that, in that space. But early on, that was a real differentiator when we uh, were selecting who, who were the best reps for uh, representing our clients. When you were talking about a, a field rep not really translating into a virtual rep, I, I thought, and I've shared that story with you, a, a friend of ours who's still a, uh, a regional manager um, took some of his best field performing reps and put them on the phone during COVID because that's what you had to do. I mean, a little bit was better than nothing. And they weren't getting to the higher decile HCPs. They were talking to the, the, you know, the insurance people in the office and the gatekeepers and so forth. So, but, but, but even the, the person that's a president's club award-winning field rep was miserable in that setting. They knew that they didn't possess those skills and they, they knew that they weren't comfortable in that environment. And it really shows, um, you know, our field reps are, like you mentioned, are accustomed to using software specifically that capture in-person interactions. They're not tailored for a phone or virtual. Um, and, and our teams make, what, 60 to 100 calls a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you put somebody in that atmosphere that's not comfortable with it, and it comes across in the selling style and the messaging and so forth. And, and you know, you mentioned, too, that um, you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable with their work being recorded mm-hmm. and, and talked about with a manager later on. So, you know, we're, yes, they're both sales reps, but they're vastly different yeah. in, in the approach. Well, one clarification there is that record is optional. I mean, we have the okay. capability of recording, but not every, everyone needs or wants um, that capability. But to touch on something you just said, Landy, as far as the technology, um, that's a real core component to measuring the success of these programs and it takes a lot of specialized technology to do it and it's not just like lifting the field technology and using it on the phone as i mentioned our our telephone systems are very technical um, and our salesforce uh, instance that we use here at trial card is is designed to be able to capture what is taking place in those calls so that we can measure at the end of the day, it's got to be measured uh, against objective. And once those objectives are measured appropriately, uh, our, we and our clients can make good strategic decisions on on where to take the program next and what this, what what they want to uh, how they would like to expand or change or evolve program. But it's all about that measurement component. I love the fact that you know when we've talked about this in the past, we talk about one single rep making dozens of calls. Uh, in, you know, per, you know, in a, in a morning or in an afternoon, but get being able to do, you know, I mentioned the national caterer earlier, but having, you know, three to four in services a day in three to four different time zones, mm-hmm. that's just not possible mm-hmm. with the physical rep, but yeah. it, it's so efficient and, and, and uh, the interactions are so professional and uh, informative. And I, I just, uh, I think it's a win-win for all of the companies that have, uh, have signed on to do business with us in that way. 
you would like to go back and listen to any episode of Trial Card Talk in its entirety, you will find Trial Card Talk on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and many other platforms. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review us. Michael, as we talk about um, working with clients and building programs, what what is the best approach to take? Uh, good question. It's one that's kind of a, we've learned and evolved over time, Landy. And and I'll say this: first and foremost, and I think this is where a lot of programs are are maybe ill designed. Is start with the end in mind. What are you going to measure? What is the single thing that is going to be success or failure of the program? Uh, and then build it from there. And from there, we go to really identifying and crystallizing what is the challenge you're trying to solve. So often, folks will come and say, "Hey, you know, I need, I need to get." a virtual component um we we need to increase sales or we need to have more script and I, well what does that mean dig a little bit deeper what are the challenges there is it a is it an education component about the disease state that's holding you back or is it about the features and benefits of the brand is it about the reimbursement of the product that's not happening so dig deeper into what the single challenge is and once we identify that then we start to build or configure our technology in a way that can capture that information on whether a call is successful, whether you're getting to the right person, uh, what that dialogue is like, uh, and and how frequently do we need to follow up. Sometimes it's a one and done. Sometimes it's building a relationship with an office. But those sorts of intricacies are really important in, and I'll say, our unique and custom design on mm-hmm. making programs successful. And these are learned. You know, we didn't start out at the very beginning that way, but learning a way to design these programs in such a way. And then I'll say the the, the third piece of this is really uh, around hiring the right individuals to execute the program and not overhiring. Um, there's some needs where it's just telepromotion. So someone who's a couple years education out of school has been working maybe in or out of life sciences, but wants to fulfill samples. Uh, that's a, a different objective than having a very clinical discussion with a rare disease subspecialist or a specialist in, in rare diseases and trying to identify a, a specific patient profile in their practice that might be appropriate for a, a rare disease medication. So we uh, pride ourselves in that match in making sure that we get the right talent to execute the programs. I'm proud to say the, the first one of the first programs we started, uh, we started two back in 2015. You, know, you got to start somewhere, right? Both of those programs are ongoing today. Wow! Um, to, and two of the representatives in one particular program have been with us the entire time because of the engagements and the back and forth and the learning, the evolution of the programs. Um, but in that case, it was the right person mm-hmm. and the right match. Um, we do have, you know, other programs where they're much larger in scale. You do, you know, we haven't had as many people stay that long. But um, there are cases where people really get their hearts around what they do. They yeah. really feel like this is meaningful, noble work. Uh, in that particular case, it was around rare diseases and saving saving babies. Let's put it that way. Right. And we, we've had sales managers that um, on a regular basis have been invited to POAs and national right. sales meetings to be, to, to serve as a, a presence from trial card, uh, but to represent that virtual component, right? Yeah. You bring up a real important point, Landy. It's like we do, we just spoke about building the program around messaging, but it's more about how do we build a program that engages with the field sales teams? Um, two pro two different models going on right now where 
our team can work completely outside of the field-based teams. Maybe white space would be a, an example. Um, and there's no overlap between the two. What, what we've seen be more effective, though, is when we do have some engagements with the field-based teams, whether it's two or three of our virtual reps that are working with five or six of field-based reps and they're setting appointments and they're working in concert with each other, or in the case of where it can be hybrid model where a virtual representative can do some of the time virtually and some of the time in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. Uh, I, my uh, assessment on this is that the more integrated the teams are, the better the compounding positive effect takes place. Results are just much better. We've got several different studies or cases where that's been proven the point. Um, increasing that frequency both specialized trains people on the virtual side and people that really are specialized on the field-based side. That combination is really powerful. Yeah, and I like what you said about the, the customized approach. This isn't just some cookie-cutter thing that we apply to every client that comes in because every client's needs are different, and we have the ability to to really strategize and to, to customize a program based on those needs. Um, you hire the right people. You train the right people. You have the proper technology. You make the differentiations between the virtual rep and the field rep. I mean, it's it sounds like a win-win for for everyone that that does business with TrialCard. And I know you've been extremely busy. I know you just spoke recently in Philadelphia at the Reuters Pharma USA conference. How did that go? I, I was really pleased with the turnout and you know the engagement and um, all the questions and things about. Yeah, so it was a uh, it was it was really nice. I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of interest and a lot of buzz about this space right now because we still got to get to that point. Healthcare providers still want and need right. Healthcare, medical information uh, about the products that they choose on their patients. And we, our job is to just continue to find different channels to do it. And this is one that seems to be, that's really working well. Sounds like it. I, I know that your team is busy following up on leads generated from that, uh, from that, uh, that conference. But, um, if, uh, if somebody wanted to, to learn more about, uh, Engage HCP, Michael, what, what should they do? Call me. Uh, call my cell, 919-724-1650. We'll talk about it. I didn't know we were going to get so personal. I thought maybe you were going to give an email address. No. But, uh, okay. I mean, email address, mcarlin at trialcard.com. <laughs> and also, if, if anybody, uh, if you have any questions about Engage HCP by TrialCard or any of the TrialCard uh, services that we talk about on this podcast, uh, sales at trialcard.com is always a great way to reach the people that you're uh, you're looking to engage with. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Trial Card Talk. I want to thank our guest, Michael Carlin, for joining us today. And if you like what you've heard, please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Our next podcast will be at the end of April. Until then, stay safe and be well. The Trial Card Talk podcast is a production of Trial Card Incorporated. It is edited and produced by TrialCard Associate Creative Director Eric Manning. TrialCard Talk and its content are the properties of TrialCard Incorporated, Morrisville, North Carolina, USA.